I didn't listen to the new episode yet, but I hope you left in when I say that Rio de Janeiro is in Argentina. Because that, that was good. I, I will not be recording while intoxicated. <laughs> I'm just like, all South America <laughs> is where scumbags yeah, retreat. Of, what was it? He said Rio by the sea. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's he like, said. But I think that's my point, right? It's like, if you move to South America, you, I, I'm suspicious of you. That's basically what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy. Not... um racist in any no, way. No, not at all. Um, that actually, that re- weirdly segues into something I wanted to bring up like at the top of the episode. Mm-hmm. So I have an article from AP News by, written by Mark Skolforo on June 25th, 2016 about the Amish branches in Bolivia and Argentina. Nice. Rio by the CEO. Yeah, it says that the Amish branched out last year with new settlements in Bolivia, Argentina, and Canada as their numbers continue to grow and a high percentage of young people opted to remain. Uh, let's see, the sex total current population as of this time was 308,000, which I think it's already much higher, like 350,000 just as 2021. And it says it's grown 18% over the last five years back then. So for some reason this decade, again, I don't know what's happening. Yeah. The Amish are bunnies right now. Yeah. Well, that's a thought I don't need. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so it says that the two small South American settlements were both founded last fall after longstanding Mennonite communities in those countries reached out to North American Amish to explore affiliation. And this is all according to Stephen Nolt, who is a prominent Amish tologist. I don't know what to call him. He is like an Amish expert. He's a senior scholar at the Center of uh Center for Anabaptists. That's what it yeah, the Center for Anabaptists. Wow. The Amish whisperer. He is seriously like every single Amish book that's like written as like a descriptor of the Amish has at least like a chapter written by Stephen Knoll in it. Yeah. He's an authority on the subject is what you're saying. It's nice yes. if you can find a ni- a niche that's like that specific yeah. and you're like this is my thing. I thought about going for it, but I, I've been beat. You've been beat? Yeah. <laughs> he says that the uh, old colony Mennonites culturally conservative and with roots in a group that immigrated from the old Russian Empire to Canada in the 1800s, left Canada in the 1920s over a dispute about teaching their children in English, and that landed them in Mexico and other parts of Latin America. Hmm. And then in recent years, the members in Bolivia and Argentina... Um, have faced financial problems and isolation. Yep, that'll happen. Yeah. So then they eventually rode out to Amish people. They joined the Amish, and now they are New Order Amish. But one thing that is notable about this situation, though, is that the Amish actually fly out to help them (laughs) from other parts. And this is evangelicalized Amish. Oh, my God. This is the route that the Amish are taking. I have come to understand. It's becoming more and more over, honestly, like the last several decades. So one thing of note that this points out that also to kind of put into perspective the numbers of growing, uh, how how big of a increase they've had over the last, since our lifetimes, the total Amish population was only around 124,000 in 1992. 
It is wow. now 350,000. That is just unbelievable to me. And this population, I came to realize from this article by the AP News that this population study only includes horse and buggy Amish. We're not even talking about car driving groups such as the beachy Amish and the Amish Mennonites. We're only talking horse and buggy. Wow. What? Wh- it, so who knows how many Amish there actually are out there? Right. What are the beachy Amish? I'll get to them. Don't okay. you worry. All right. In part two, a lot of what we talked about was the Diana Vesumlungen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I'm betraying that. But this, um, this led to a lot of stuff here. Basically the whole thing. Every single little bit of this. I'm sorry to tell you guys it's going to be split. And then Amish group splits. And then Amish group splits. And they just keep going. In endless right. waves. The Amish rove. But isn't the trend like... They try to branch off because they're this group's like, well, they're going too modern. We're we're going to be traditionalists, and then they're like, uh, this isn't really self-sustaining. So then they yeah. fall back into the fold. So then they go back into Mennonites, right? It's kind of what's what so why has do been they happening. Keep trying to do that over and over again. I don't know. <laughs> That's the confusing part is that they constantly, every single time somebody has a disagreement, there is no compromise. Nobody's like, all right, Mm -hmm. you know, if you see my point this way, you know, maybe I can see your point this way, you know, and we can get along. No, it's like I have to form a whole new colony. It's like there's a percentage of them that just if there's any compromise at all, they think it's just hypocrisy. It's just you're you're betraying the entire faith. Yeah, you're anti-Amish. <laughs> yeah. They are I mean, the most hardline people I think I've ever really done a study into. But I would say They're there's so a big portion of them that are fine with being more modernized. They just don't put oh, up yeah. a fuss. And they're the ones you don't hear anything from. Yeah. For a large part of that, for sure. For sure. Um. Yeah, I guess I should have. Did Do we need to say we're rumors and confabulation? And a place to put the intro. <laughs> I guess not. Cue music. You know, you know the uh, the Renta Center logo that's like the R and the C and then the small A in between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that should be our logo. We should just take that, just steal it, just steal it, and <laughs> immediately get some like petty lawsuit that just like <laughs> that that's could only bring needs. us more notoriety. No, it could We're... bring us just loss of money, and that's it. <laughs> it's just a private lawsuit. <laughs> no say, one is you, even aware. You know aware. the people that own Renan Center, that kind of slaze bag, that will do a little Yeah, that's like true. That. That's a pretty scummy <laughs> line of business to be in. Yeah. Uh, brought to you by Renan Center. <laughs> so, I want to talk about some groups here, and this is going to be kind of, it's going to be pretty loose kind of my narrative here mm-hmm. so just hang with me we're going to be going in all sorts of different directions at different times in this episode see this okay. is exactly what the amish would say they would say if they ever do for one thing we don't know what a podcast is 
but if they did a podcast about us, it would probably be loose and completely without discipline. They don't have, because we don't have the structure that they have in their lives. That's the problem. That's, we don't. We no. don't. That's what, there's just no way you can. The, us, us Westerners, we're always going off half-cocked, you know, not thinking things through. We're English. We're English, but yeah. Then, Oh, that's right. Yeah, everything's <laughs> we're, right. we're all English. Oh, that's awesome. So, the, when they went to Mexico, they were probably, mm. like, bitching out people, like, we will not teach English in our homes. And the Mexicans are like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'll get back to this a little later on, but the, um, the Bolivian settlement mm. of Mennonites, they barely spoke Spanish at all. Yeah. Just didn't do it. Even though they had been there for decades. <laughs> right. And they, they barely spoke English. They were all speaking their own language. Just completely. You know, just Pennsylvania Dutch or Pennsylvania German. There's mm. like two different kind of dialects of it. Oh, well. Yeah. So, there was one group that did actually leave the entire... They broke apart from like the old order or just from the Amish... Co- Amish congregation before they broke into Old Order. That was actually in 1858. So before those meetings and all that stuff, they actually broke away. And they actually changed their name to the Defenseless Mennonites in 1908. What is that? What is the meaning of the name? There's one thing to say you won't conscript, but it's been like, oh, we're just taking our pathophism a step further. Just been like, we're defenseless. Really? That's in their ads. Defenseless Mennonites. And we Ooh. only talked about Amish in the United States last part, but there were the last vestiges of the Amish in Europe going at the same time that these ministers' meetings were going. Kind of strangely coincided with those. And they were having their own little spit, uh, splits, and they all just kind of became Mennonites. The last Amish congregation in Europe was in Germany. They were the Ixheim Amish. And they broke down and finally merged with the Mennonite Church in 1937. <laughs> oh, I view it said, and actually, most people don't know this, but that they represent the origins of the Nazi Party. Most people aren't aware <laughs> of that they just folded seamlessly in. Hitler was honest. Uh, <laughs> oh no, <shit>. we're <laughs> we're not going there. But I think we are now completely fully into the 20th century so we're talking now automobiles world wars the cold Mm -hmm. war the amish yep how (laughs) they're still there it's so honestly it is so strange to me to think about how much they've gone through and just like not no no, thanks we're good it's crazy yeah world war one Brought a large challenge for all the Amish communities because um, Germany wasn't too popular, you know. Mm-hmm. So German as a language was like, if you knew it, don't talk German. Just right. You know, I mean, that's it. how it should be. Still, in my opinion, uh, <laughs> did, did they did they have any trouble in World War One being like conscientious objectors? Did they face any pressure to? Uh, seems like they actually did a little more in World War Two. Okay, in World War One, at least from what I saw. But Amish records at that time weren't the best. I can't either. believe that. 
And I'm sure it depended congregation by congregation, just like everything Amish does. But actually, World War II, it's all them working in the CPS, the Civilian Public Service, which uh. so they were working in the CCC. So for, with forestry and helping build like the national parks and things like that, mm. or they were helping in hospitals. So in World War II, they actually lost, the Amish lost a lot of young men specifically because they were the ones who were working like in the CCC. They were working mm-hmm. alongside just like people of all different walks of life, and they just decided to never go back to the Amish. I have a theory. Go. Maybe the reason that they are growing now is because there hasn't been a a world altering event to pull them out of that community. Like well, if they were enlisted, in could a, be. how would that pull them out? That would just keep them in even more so. Well, yeah, it does, but I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll get back to that at some point because okay. we kind of have to address it. I feel like to get all the way up to date. Oh, they have COVID takes. Of course, they have COVID takes. Oh my! I, well, I mean, you were you were the one that brought up the Trump, the Amish Trump parade. So I mean, that's of true. Course they're going to have fair yeah. point. I'm going to guess that they are pro vaccine. Okay, we'll just leave it there. (laughs) (laughs) So, the Amish didn't budge on the whole German-speaking stuff, because Mm -hmm. Pennsylvania Dutch is more similar to German than, like, really anything else. And their neighbors, it lost them a lot of favor, just in the, you know, neighborhoods. That was, like, the World War I era. Mm, So, they kind of, it's strange that they actually, they actually, I think, gained some like positive spin in World War Two because they were actually just allowed them to just work alongside other people and just help well, in the war effort. And they did it because they were like, this saves lives or this helps. You know, yeah. they could justify, you know, they had no issues with that. Right. So I, I think that we- gained them some favor. But at this time, people didn't like them just because they're, you know, they're like, you're German. Yeah, I feel like and we got our anti-German sentiment out of the way in world war one and in world war two we could focus on the japanese in the u.s well, we also, <laughs> we, also that. we also covered it with Pelly, like the 20s chain like that was the resurgence of the kkk and the bund and all the other stuff like that so the the way they were seen was completely different than it was true they're white people yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah unfortunate but true well in 1927 I want to talk about Bishop Moses M. Beachy, mm. who led his congregation that resided in Somerset County, Pennsylvania. He led them actually away from the established old order, Amish. Beachy and his people, they made the call that they wanted to adopt some of the ways of the outside world. <laughs> but really, all they were asking for was they wanted Sunday school, Bible school for the kids, meeting houses. And the biggest issue that other Amish had with them is that they wanted to drastically lessen the penalty toward banning people. Like he wanted, he wanted to make it harder for people to be shunned because he thought shunning was just too harsh. But you also said he wanted um, Bible school for the children and they normally didn't do that kind of stuff for the children before that, right? Right. No. Yeah. It was very rare. Some of them had adopted that out of their, um, ministers meetings mm-hmm. but a ton of them all the old order none of them did that at okay all. 
so far I'm, you know, I'm positive on this guy. Sounds like Moses is leading him to the promised land. (laughs) See where this goes. Well, there had been a split uh, toward the Amish Mennonites by many of the Beachy group, including Beachy himself. Or, well, this was, sorry, before Beachy took over. So Beachy kind of took over a pro-Amish Mennonite group. And he was like, yeah, okay, I, I agree. And the group collectively, they just hated the shunning. And the excommunication itself was also much frequently less used. Sorry, I phrased that weird. But it was less, much less, by the Beachies because they eventually just broke off. And so, it was less okay. prevalent than the other one. Okay, yeah. We are the Beachy Amish now. They actually became... The old Beachy Amish in the 1950s, the Beachy Amish transformed into evangelical sects, and the ones that want to remain the way the 1920s Beachies were formed the old Beachy Amish. So you had the old order Amish, then they were the Beachy Amish, then you had the old Beachy Amish. All three are still there. Okay. So you never like, it's never like, okay, two branch off and you cut the third, you know, the remaining one. No, they all still are there. So that's why you have so many. Yeah. But I will say the beachy style of being Amish spread uh, to a lot of other communities because they were much more vocal about spreading the Amish message. So they kind of worked from within and started other old order started going more kind of that way. Of course, this is also the 1927. This is right before like that kind of stuff was com- huge in the 1930s. Was, like, so was it a part of that? that wave. Like, the next great awakening or was it they saw their numbers dwindling and they knew they needed to grow or do we know that i would say it's a little of all of it mm-hmm. I, and i think that for him though he would argue that it was just um to get the message out there because they want to save people you know they want to help people right so, so they they believed what they were putting down it wasn't like a bunch of this other okay yeah and it is the 1920s so this is like in a, in a response also probably to the roaring 20s and to you know, mm-hmm. just the kind of lavishness that America was becoming. Yeah. As yeah. well. And I've already gone into what World War II, all that nonsense that brought about there. But one thing I did want to note. Most Amish children attended non-Amish schools until around 1950. Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. This is when schools became more rigid and mandatory, like... Measles, beyond eighth grade. Oh, was it was mandatory to do like a high school. I see. So that's what they took issue with. Yeah, that's what they took issue with because for Amish, they only school up till eighth grade. Okay. So (laughs) they didn't want any part of it. So the Amish, in typical Amish fashion, made their own schools. And yeah. in 1972, the Supreme Court of the United States was forced to make a decision, and they actually came to this decision that exempted Amish children from having to participate in any further education past eighth grade. Hmm. So to this day, the Amish do not have to get a high school education, do not have to like attend high school at all. I kind of feel like. And that's like when you're 14, so it's not like now where it's like 16 or, you know, whatever the age is where you can drop out. Mm-hmm. So what were the grounds? I mean, I'm not saying that was a bad ruling. I'm just not sure on, on what grounds they would say that. It's just it's a protection of religion. It's a religious matter. 
uh, that's why I figured it would be more of a social welfare matter at that point because like you're just depriving your okay never mind yeah what about their religion actually says that that's just a decision the church elders made yeah that's what it is right But, but yeah I think it really what it was is that the supreme court was just like I guess we can't uh, I mean, if you're going to live outside of our boundaries on this stuff, I guess we can't really enforce that yeah, stuff. Yeah, and it probably would have sparked yeah. a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, and, it's probably a pick yeah. your battles. It's not even worth getting into. Right. So you're just like, okay. So most Amish now, like the vast majority of Amish, are raised in Amish schools, completely exclu- you know, exclusively Amish. But there are still some Amish that go to school in places that aren't. Amish necessarily. That, that would have been awesome. I would have loved that in elementary school to have like an Amish kid in class. Yeah, I actually just watched a little video that had this guy talking about um can't remember his name or I would give him a little shout out, but he just talked about um how he went to school with like half the class was Amish, half the class was not Amish. <laughs> wow. Like elementary school and up. So like that would have to be yeah. So interesting as a non-Amish person. Sheesh. Eye-opening. By the 1950s, the Amish were finding that living a totally secluded lifestyle would be even harder than they once thought. So, not only was technology creating issues that were once hard to even imagine, but even other Amish began traveling more and more and more. So, not just talking to the communities around them, but actually spreading outward. I mean, that's about the time the interstate's open, too, so it was easier that's to get around. Okay, so I, I, I said something be before, a buggy. and yeah. I can't find when this became, like, widespread, but vaccine mandates in schools, is there anything about that? Like, if, if they were at a school where that was enforced, would they use a religious exemption for that and just keep going to the school, or? Uh, who would, what Amish would be going to a school that had that? Wait, no, what I'm kind of school saying, has that? Like what do you mean? college? Like universities? What what do you mean? They have to get a vaccine? What, I'm pretty sure measles like measles and mumps. Oh, those kind of measles. Get... Well, okay. Sorry, okay. No, I don't mean COVID. I'm... Okay, you don't mean COVID. No, no, okay. no, no, no. No. Yeah. Now when you say vaccine, that just means COVID, I guess. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Nah. Yeah, 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 vaccine. Um, yeah, they. So actually, in 2014, there was a measles outbreak in the Amish communities. Well, there you go. There that was, answers my measles question. Measles had has been defeated, but in Amish communities, it came. It made a comeback. Nice. That must have made them feel very smart when that happened. No, <laughs> I don't need. Most, to, I don't need to pick on the Amish. Sorry. Now the Amish don't have like a hard, fast, like anti-vaccine. Okay. History. They do take vaccines often. It's just I think. Some of these communities don't. So it, again, just depends on, I think like the beaches, they probably do. But the okay. um, Troopers, mm-hmm. they definitely don't. Yeah. I mean, that sounds like a Schwarzentruber type of thing to do. Actually, by though, the if, way, if they, go ahead. I, want, I just want to say the Schwarzentrubers, I alluded to them being in Iowa last time. They were actually in, um, I don't know if they went from Iowa to here or if they just, I, I can't. They're in Holmes County, Ohio, right now, which is Holmes County, Ohio has the largest percentage of like area of concentration of Amish. You said Idaho or Iowa? Sorry. Ohio. No, the first state. 
Iowa. Damn it. Okay. I was hoping you said Idaho because I wanted to say they went from where most potatoes are produced to the county where most potatoes are consumed to shit on Ohio for being fat again. But You said Holmes but County? I would actually... Yeah, Holmes County. If if they could be like... Like H.H. Holmes. We, we are opposed to technology and, you know, what, uh, and uh, we want to be outside of society, but they still get vaccinated because they know that's like a medically wise thing to do. I would respect that. I got to say, maybe that's naive, but if they could, if they could reconcile in their head, yeah, this doesn't fit our views, but it will help our lifespan. I would, I would respect that. Right. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah I think anyone could respect that because okay. yeah, it's because a lot of these groups are so like locked in that they're like, that's I don't where, even yeah. give a shit. Yeah. And it's become, obviously, I don't think we have to say, but it's become more so. I don't see this. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't see it. Well, in the 1950s, there was an Amish by the name of David Miller from Oklahoma. Miller went to Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, home of the Amish Mafia, (laughs) where he was allowed to preach for a large time, for like at least over a week. He was allowed to like kind of be their little live-in preacher, I guess. And this is a quote from some art. I have some quotes from this, uh, some articles I had read about this. And one here is he preached, he preached Sunday school and weekdays and the morning, sometimes afternoon and occasionally after an evening, him singing brooder houses and barns and on lawns. It was said that he preached, he, what he preached went in line with Mennonite teachings. So he was trying to steer the Amish a little less, less, um, what the old order cherished, mm-hmm. you know, trying yep. to break them of a little bit of their steadfastness to like adapt just a little bit. Right. Because, yeah, it's not very, it's a hard life <laughs> they've given to themselves. Hard knock life. I about immediately said that same thing. So, <laughs> so that's the Jay Z song is is about the Amish. Most people don't know that it's not about street life. It's about the Amish. <laughs> well, well, the difference for him though with this midnight stuff is that he he made it custom fitted. Uh, they even that's a quote from a con- member of the congregation he spoke to. Like he made custom fitted to the Amish and not Mennonites. Like, he just appealed to whatever makes them Amish, while at the same time saying, move a little bit. Because it said, it's, it said that he was preached in German only, no mm. English. And he spoke out against the use of tobacco, immorality, and loose living, and pointed to people to consider the urgency of the new birth and a changed heart. And on August 10th, 1952, Miller gathered around 200 Amish youths, along with ministers by the name of Stam, and get ready for some names, Stam, Stoltzfus, and Christian B. Glick. (laughs) Alright. They gathered in the Samuel Beeler barn to discuss his concerns for the youth on the Amish. So something about this meeting, I'm not sure exactly what was said, except for just like, that's just the kind of stuff he was talking about is this kind of like need to like, it's like, it's urgent that we save people, you know, that kind of, this is like what he's stressing to these youths. Mm-hmm. Whatever he said, 
made the Lancaster group mad because by the time he got back to Oklahoma, he had a letter waiting for him that said, don't come back to Lancaster, oh. Pennsylvania. <laughs> the post corrupting the youth. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he ignited a little spark amongst some of the Amish. And one thing that Miller was probably talking about, and guys, get out your air guitar. Things are going to get wild. He's introducing the Amish youths to Reliant K. Is that it? <laughs> Deep pull. That's get with the reference. times, kids. <laughs> what Miller most likely spoke about was the rise of gang life in the Amish community. <laughs> Oh, yeah. At the age of 16, many Amish would turn to gangs in which they would, quote, let loose. No. This means (laughs) that they would consume alcohol, they would drive cars, and live the best, quote, English life they could until they are either ready to join the church or just never come back. Sorry, this is so stupid. All of this is so dumb. Some other gangs just lived lived the Amish life because there was more than one gang. There were many gangs. And some of them were just like, we're gangs, but they still just lived like an Amish. So are you talking more organized crimes or gangs as in just We're talking like teenager gangs. We're talking like when they're 16 to like when they're 18. Oh, okay. Hooligans. That, that, kind, that kind of gang. Rapscallions. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's an example of one of the, quote, fastest, wildest, and most liberal mm-hmm. group. <laughs> yeah. The Groffies. <laughs> <laughs> Can I join? Is it too late to become a member? <laughs> the Groffies were, quote, more likely to drive cars and party on weekends. You guys ready for a typical groffy weekend? I don't what know these if I wild can child it. children are up to? Ugh. They would get drunk on Saturday and they would have, quote, band hops on Sunday. And this is where they would play popular music, dance, and drink more beer. Oh my God. Holy. That is, they're out of control. <laughs> now, it should be noted that the groffies were not. All the time, exclusively boys. There were sometimes a girl would join a gang. But the weird part here is that things I saw made sure to note that the girls, even though they might attend parties. They couldn't drink. They didn't drink. I knew it. Yeah. They also didn't smoke. Other members did. Mm. So why go? Because they were, it was still the happening thing to do yeah. for the a only place. spring a gal. Yeah, that's the only place for the Amish to hear the new Roy Orbison record. Honestly, <laughs> that is. <laughs> you're not wrong. Yeah. I love this fact that I found here. If they went too hard one night, you know, they were just partying mm-hmm. just way too hard. They yep. would dance to some Christian music the next day and reflect on their somberness. <laughs> Oh, that's sad. That is just upsetting. Oh, yeah. In the most typical Amish thing, if there is one thing that I'm like, that's the Amish, it is this <laughs> fact right here. Their counterculture to the Groffies was to make a group that called themselves the Goodies. Oh, no. The Buttercream <laughs> Gang. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> 
If anyone hasn't seen Buttercream Gang, it's getting an official Rumors and Confabulation stamp of approval. Oh, yeah. It's Buttercream a- Gang... Number one, not the not the sequel. It's a Mormon film, right? Or did we it's just a Mormon think film. that? Yeah, okay. No, it, it's a Mormon film. Because <laughs> it has a Pioneer it. Day on it. I did not know they made a second. The second one, it's trash. First one? Yeah. Shout out Pete Valdez. I've never even seen the full second one, actually. And I've seen the first one like 20 times. Yeah, for some reason, it really was just a go-to. If anybody else who grew up in the 90s and, like, early 2000s and has seen Buttercream Gang, please give us a shout-out. I'd love to know. I would like to know. um, It it wasn't just, like, it wasn't just a Central Kentucky thing that was, like, in the curriculum for some reason. Yeah, It's not a Kentucky movie. No, uh, it isn't. No, it's made in Utah. Utah, yeah, that's right, that's right. So really? I guess, yeah. It's, yes, it, it seemed is. rather to, rather green landscape for Utah. But the thing, well, Utah's got some very green mountainous regions. The thing is that makes that movie so weird is that it goes from Mormon to Christian, like because I saw it in like a Christian fashion as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, it like could pass as that. It doesn't like beat you over the head with no. its religious. I honestly had no idea film. it was Mormon until you mentioned it. Exactly. Now, so. It's uh, what is what's that company? Family Films or something Future like that. Future Films, Feature Films for Families. Feature Films. Yeah. They released their own movies, and they also kind of became famous for taking actual movies and editing them, so you could watch like an R-rated movie with all the swearing and violence and stuff. Uh-huh. That's that's okay. how they became known, yeah. They also had strangely homoerotic sequences. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In Buttercream Gang. Uh, it's it's one of the weirdest movies, honestly. If It's so strange because when you're a kid or if you just watch it and you're not paying attention to it or anything, you just be like, this is the dumbest, little, most childish, who cares? Mm-hmm. It's so stupid. But then when you watch watch it, it, yeah, then you're like, oh, these guys are fucked. Oh, wow. (laughs) You watch it again. I can't believe I never noticed this. (laughs) It's just, um, it's so weird. But uh, back to the Amish thing, there had to have been a guy that was like the John Belushi of Amish life that was just like, (laughs) everybody's like, he just went, he just part, he was, he went hard constantly. You have never you seen. Know, there had to have been. You've never seen a Groffy quite as wild as as old Zeke. Well, and that's what like most of these shows are and movies when they show the Amish. That's what it's about. Is like the Amish, and there's so many videos you can see like the Amish party hard. Like mm-hmm. it's so they really don't. It's cringy, <laughs> honestly. It makes me feel sorry for them. But I guess the Groffies they party hard. I mean, well, I the bet Groffies. they had fun. We're making well, I will fun say of them, but the Groffies did party so hard that they did have at least one member found dead on the side of the road. All right. Well, well. Ooh, okay. so there was at least that casualty to their extreme partying. So maybe the goodies were getting were onto something a little bit. <laughs> but the know. goodies here's what they here's what they did. They put an emphasis on their spiritual life, and they avoided things. They actually said no rum springa for the goodies. Oh. No rum springa at all. The biggest party day, party time of any year. It's the biggest party time of an Amish life. Mm-hmm. And they said no. No. Nope. None of that. That could lead a youth astray. 
into temptation, never to be found again. Have you told us what Rum Spring is like celebrating, or do we just know? Yeah, what's it's celebrating whether you decide to baptize or not. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, gotcha. we did that. In the it's the lead one. up to baptism, so it's a, it's kind of like a bachelor party, but for teenagers that aren't getting married. That just made it really sad. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I though. Mean, the, I mean, it does. That's what it is. It's it's like it's like that concept. I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm saying this as somebody who didn't have a bachelor party. Like, I mean, really. You did have a rum I mean, springa, though. No, <laughs> we had no rum springa, is what I'm saying. So, but I'm just saying, like the image of like going to Vegas and having like that crazy. Yeah. It's like it's the hangover for Amish. But the goodies have a point. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not in favor of any of these things. But if you <laughs> want to adhere strictly to the Amish viewpoint, why even have rum springa? Why even give them the option to get out and experience? things they will never experience again yeah i i think it is to like to i guess to give them that choice because i guess if they feel like they didn't experience it they might regret it later or something like that and then lead them astray i would be led astray though but honestly i think most of it is that it's just like a party time that has yeah. now just like that's just what it's become because right. so many teenagers just did that you yeah. know so now it's not like really spoken of like you're, this is when you're supposed to get out there and be crazy kid mm-hmm. you know it's like but they don't want to they the Amish hate accusing people of things yeah. even their children they hate it so yeah I think just Rumspringa just keeps going and then also a lot of the interpretations of Rumspringa they think of are fueled by the media and just like mm-hmm. some of these few cases here and there where, you know, like Amish partying went too far. And that's like but, become a trope. It's, it's like all over porn. I don't know if this is your guys <laughs> experience, but anytime I'm on a porn site, it's like Rom Springa gone crazy. It's like, <laughs> I would, I want to break from the Rom Springa videos. That's all my recommendations. It took me a second to realize that was a bit because I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guarantee you that's a fetish for somebody. Amish. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so the goodies were made up of original members of the Goffies. Or Groffies, sorry. Groffies. Original yeah. Groffies. Mm-hmm. They soured on the life after all the endless partings. Yeah. And then they oh. heard, you know, these talks of people like David Miller who were saying, like, you have to, like, repent now. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it, re- it revitalized their spirit. And they so, became much more grounded in their faith. To a point, though, it became like a little rivalry between the two to the point where the Groffies, they saw somebody wasn't drinking enough beer. You know, they're not going hard <laughs> enough. They'd be like, what well. are you, good-minded <laughs> now? That's just how, that's just typical though. That's just like when you're in your late teens or whatever and like, take a shot, pussy. Well, it's let me tell you, thing. that was not a bit. That was not, a, that was an actual quote. I believe that. Just saying. This is you. <laughs> what is strange is that a lot of the goodies were hated just as much as the groffies by the Amish community. I hate them. They were like, you're still a gang. And you're trying to change our ways. Get I imagine, out of here. I imagine some of the goodies were also like the recovering alcoholic that has to like 
Man, I just can't do it anymore because I just partied too hard. That's my problem. Yeah. I, just, yeah, I mean, I know you things. guys party, but not like we used to. We gro- just go the, old, the other way way yeah. too more. Yeah. In the old Groffy yeah. days? Oh, man, painting the town. Some of the goodies were convict turned to, to turn to Christ, you know, type of type of people. You know, the trope of like a person yeah, going yeah. to prison and then, yeah. Getting finding their faith, they the the goodies had some of that for sure. In inmate to guard, in inmate to prison cook. Shout out to somebody we know. First an <laughs> inmate, then they became a prison cook. <laughs> uh, so one uh, girl was actually told that was a, she was a member of the goodies. She was told that she would have to stop attending goodie Bible meetings if she wanted to get baptized in their community. Oh my god, this is silly. The goodies yeah. <laughs> who were talking about how important their faith is. Even the Amish elders are like, your group's just too lame. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's at the same time that the burgeoning technology is just like really finding roots in the Amish communities. So this kind of, I think, is why, like, the good, because the goodies were in favor of adapting more. So I think that's why they were met with such disdain. Mm-hmm. But. I have an example of that. This is the, a man by Steve Stoltzfus. Remember, he was a minister at the uh, David Miller meeting. He eventually joined the Beaches, but it took him a while to get there. But Steve lived in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, and by 1960, there was a lot of tools for agriculture that people were slowly starting to use. But it's kind of like they use like one thing, and they're like, ah, maybe I can get away with this. And they keep yeah. using it, and they're like, okay, we got to get another tool. Okay, get, yeah, just don't talk so about they, it. So they went down the slippery slope of technology is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yes, they really did. And Steve himself began using power tools. Oh, you no. Know, because he's working a farm, carpentry, and all this stuff. I mean, power tools are pretty helpful. Yeah, I would, yeah, oh, I would yeah. not want to use any of yeah. But that's obviously yeah. technology. I mean, come on. Well, Steve also hid a radio in his cellar. <gasps> oh, my God. Yep. So now that's where they go to hear the new Roy Orbison single. Steve's yeah. house. He's got the radio. The problem around, is that Steve's father found out about the radio and he smashed it to pieces. Perfectly reasonable reaction. Uh, this time he's a grandpa. Oh. Steve has grown up children. That's embarrassing, man. You get cucked in front of your own kids. His father's like, "What a what is this some graphy shit? Graffy?" <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> well, in 1962, it was becoming it was too much for the Amish to handle. They had to call another Dien Versamalungen. It was at crisis level. Mm-hmm. 140 ministers and, bish- and bishops met on December 19th, 1962, discuss the permanent banning of six particular items. These were combines, forage harvesters, barn cleaners, power units, electrical generators, and deep freezers. Hmm. The ban was unanimous. They all had to go. That's just, okay. I mean, I get it, though. If they had a deep freezer, that would be an affront to God. So they had to <laughs> go ahead and get rid of those. It makes sense to me. 
I like the idea of them like pushing the boundaries of technology though. So like sometime in a hundred years, somebody's going to be like, all right, are we ready to introduce the flux capacitor? Can our small community handle this level of technology? <laughs> there, um, it's a constant debate. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. a constant debate. And the thing that most uh, Amish, former Amish people are like the biggest difference in life um, once they leave is having a cell phone. Oh, yeah. I believe it's that. It's just mind for blowing sure. for them. So, although this ban was a unanimous, unanimous vote, many of them left um, a little perplexed. They, did, they, did, they didn't care a ton for what happened. They, they, they weren't they were kind of confused why it had to happen that way. But, of course, Amish style, they didn't talk about it. Because they saw that the majority wasn't with them. So, they just went home, kind of sad. And the following year saw this debate continue and continue until the bishops made the decision to prevent any group that was not participating in this ban of these instruments. They couldn't participate in communion anymore. So like group gatherings, they were done. Unless if you accept these bans. So this led to another split. Another split among many, many splits. February 6th, 1966, 30 families broke away from the primary group and formed what the was originally called Jake Zook Church, named after their <laughs> leader. Eventually, 65 families joined this new group, and they officially became what is now known as the New Order Amish. And they were started in Lancaster and Chester counties in Pennsylvania. Strangely enough... The Old Order Amish made an unprecedented move, one that has never been seen since. They allowed members to join the New Order as they pleased without fear of shunning. Because there's still many Old Order in Lancaster County, so they're going to be living right, like, near the same places. Yeah. So they're like, you don't have to diso- disassociate yourself from them completely. Huh. Alright. Baby step. Now... If they wanted to join anyone else, like the Amish Mennonites in Weaver Town, then the ban was coming. Yeah. Ban hammer's coming, bitch. But for these ones, not. Yeah. So, I don't... Yeah, for some reason, once you attach that Mennonite on there, they're like, oh, start grinding their fists, <laughs> snarling. Ain't hey, bringing a Mennonite in here. You bring you bring in a Mennonite. Next thing you know, he'll bring in a leaf blower, and then it all goes to shit. <laughs> <laughs> the reasons behind forming the New Order Church were varied, and one Amish by the name of Ben Lapp of New Holland put the movement into three different camps. Number one, there's the group that were interested in Bible study and spirituality, so the goodies. All them <laughs> fell into this. Mm-hmm. Number two, those who came for material reason. So, you know, for the tools. And number three, the moderates who just didn't really see eye to eye with the old order, but weren't exactly completely against them. So initially, the new order sought help from the Amish in Ontario. So they went to the Canadians for help. This actually proved fruitful until a new order noticed that the Canadians, quote, Freely and openly smoked tobacco. Oh my god. I thought that was going somewhere else. 
This bothered the goodies so much that they had to speak out. And I'll quote from the article about this. Because the the Canadians came to the U.S. to help the goodies and their group set up a new church. To the horror of the spiritually minded, reports circulated that one of the preacher's wives even attended an Amish gang and started <laughs> dancing. Oh. oh, yeah. Yeah. I can see the disgust on your face, John. No, it's just they're using the term gang very loosely, and it's just... It's not disgust, I just don't don't get it. Oh, you're disgust with that preacher's wife. I see it in your face. She steps out there, it's like... Boots with the fur, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Apple bottom jeans. So one member asked... Why do we have drunks from Canada coming to help? A little harsh. <laughs> that classic Canadian cliche. They're all a bunch of drunks. They had more in line with the groffies mm. than with the goodies. Yeah, that's what I thought when I was when I went to Canada. I was like, it looks it just looks like a bunch of groffies up here. <laughs> Not what I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Canadians uh, didn't care for you know all the. My back sass, they started getting from <laughs> the goodies. So they just left. They were like, okay, fine, you guys have a good day. Bye. And that is the story of the goodies. What they a, just what set a up camp. Story. And they're still around, you know. They're, their people are still around. They all kind of merge with the beaches eventually, but they're still around. Long live the goodies. So another quick, interesting story. This one is quick. Interesting story from the Amish community that I just wanted to share was that of a man by the name of Elmo Stoll. Elmo Soul? Stoll. Oh, my word. Elmo Stoll. Elmo was born in Litchfield, Michigan in yeah, that, 1944. No, no, no. That, that is an episode of Sesame Street. And then the rest of the gang has to tell Elmo why what he did is wrong. Choplifting is wrong, Elmo. <laughs> oh, I had to sit here and resist the dad joke of <laughs> Elmo stole what? <laughs> Elmo stole my heart. He stole the nation's heart. Yeah, he did. That's true. Tickle Actually, me Elmo. you know, Elmo kind of sucks. I-, I used to like Sesame Street. I never liked Elmo. He's oh, oh, oh. annoying. That's not a good impersonation. I'm a, I'm a big bird. I'm a big bird boy. Yeah, Triple I like Snuffleupagus. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded like a euphemism. <laughs> it sounds like the most pathetic brag of all time. Yeah, I'm a uh-huh. big bird boy. <laughs> Proud of it. <laughs> well, Elmo Stoll was one of 11 children. As his family bounced around a lot in his youth, they moved to Ohio from Michigan, and then eventually they moved to Ontario with the Amish in Ontario. By 1966, Elmo was a teacher in the Beachy Amish School in Wellesley, Ontario. Stoll was presented with a decision in 1968 when his family moved from Ontario. I just got a guess. Take a guess where they moved from Ontario. Ohio. They moved to Honduras. Oh, I don't know. That's no. <laughs> this fact shocked me when I was reading. I was like, oh, okay. Well, oh, oh. <laughs> I didn't know there was Amish in Honduras. Okay. Elmo 
Could have moved to Honduras. He chose to stay in Ontario. He was working for Pathway Publishers. This is a company that published Amish works. Oh, what? Yep. No, that's fascinating. It was during this time that Elmo found love. He married a woman by the name of Elizabeth Miller. And then just a year later, in 1971, he was ordained as a full Amish minister. And then in 1984, Elmo became bishop. And as bishop stole, he began tackling the issues he saw around his community. So he had his congregation dress plainer, use less technology. Yep, he strictly yep. forbade the use of calculators. Yep, yeah. That's a big That's... one for him. And he just wanted his people to live more simply. Yeah, I've heard this before, I feel like. Yeah. But he's different still because during this time, he also wrote regularly in the Amish magazine, Family Life. So he wants them to be more simplistic and use less technology, but at the same time, he's, like, heavy into Amish publishing. He uses... Yeah, he's okay with the printing press. Yeah. I mean, it's like a magazine, it's, like, glossy paper and... Or am I thinking right. too modern? If you want to talk about morality, the only difference in the printing press and a calculator is the printing press is older. <laughs> I mean, a calculator, right. in what way possible could that... Have a if you want to keep going negative, down their line of yeah their I mean, line of thinking towards technology, you could just be like, why do you use a hoe for your farm? That's a tool. Yeah, I mean, you could just say everything. Why do you use a spoon? <laughs> right, eat with your hands. You know? Yeah, it's that's why they're frustrating. They chose today. a time frame that they wanted to just say we're never getting exactly. more. Exactly, I guess they just felt that's the perfection for humanity was the 1860s. Exactly, that's why I think it's kind of bullshit. They're not saying they don't want to be in with society. They're saying they want to be in with society of a past time. They're not that different from boomers that are like, oh, I just wish things were back like in the 50s. Well, but that is still kind of like that's the. That's not what it started off as. It started off as they wanted separation. And they still say that still today. It it is all about the separation from the rest of society. But you also said they had like very little knowledge of their own internal history. Right. And that's probably why they have a lot of these issues. And uh, they don't seem to understand their own teachings in some way. A lot of them have not read Jakob Amund's works. And the ones that have aren't too, they don't like how aggressive he is. Which actually plays better, though, in the hands of, like, the beachy Amish. Because they're kind of aggressive. Right. You know, trying to spread the word and stuff and trying to get people to join, you Mm -hmm. know, this movement. Jakob Amman was that as well. He took it to two different countries. Yeah. So, yeah, it is kind of strange as these older Amish, you know, how much they stick. They don't even teach Jakob Amman's works. And they don't want to be evangelical at all. They don't want to adapt to to their surroundings. And Jakob Amman definitely did because he also worked with authorities in his area. That's right, yeah. But in July of 1990, Bishop Elmo Stoll challenged the Ordnung itself. Over his disagreement with a few of the rules. Namely, having fellowship with other like-minded churches. He saw no issue with congregating with Mennonites. Mm-hmm. 
the use of English to reach new people was something that he thought is, should be is essential, and the mandatory wearing of hats for men. <laughs> yeah, I swear every time I read something, it's just like, okay, okay, there's the Amish. Yeah, <laughs> so there's always they, something that's just out of left field. Yeah, that just that comes they out of think nowhere. is a very major issue, but it's mundane to anyone else. <laughs> yes. It's it's more they wanted to bring up the thing, and they just needed to find something else to tack it on the bottom of that was important enough yeah. to be like, okay, this will get taken. It's like in Senate when you're like, okay, nobody's going to go against this uh, take care of the dogs bill, but attach something about yeah. you know saving oil companies billions of dollars, a poison pills. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they have to throw a writer think- just to. <laughs> What they really care about, I think it's the opposite. I think what they really yeah, were guess. concerned about is the hats, and they just threw the rest of the stuff in. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> that's that's <laughs> what, the, yeah. Elmo's like, how do I, hats. how do I, how do I present this? <laughs> so, other bishops, well, the other bishops made the decision to not ban Elmo. But he and his people still decide they decided to start a new community, of course, and Elmo took off. He began an English speaking only horse and buggy plain dressed community in Cookville, Tennessee. We're talking my neck of the woods. Cookville is right on the Kentucky line. Okay. Kind of central to west Tennessee, like right around Nashville area. Gotcha. You passed the Cookville exit going down up sixty five. So I probably I went through there then probably, not directly through Cookville but nearby. It's okay. not far. So this community he called simply a Christian community. Interesting. Elbow did not think that his preachings had to stay in Tennessee, and with him. So he, by the time of his death, which was unfortunately just eight years later, in 1998, there were Christian communities in Smyrna, Maine, not Tennessee, Woodstock, New Brunswick, Canada, and Dektar, Tennessee, as well as Holland, Kentucky. Most of these communities disbanded by merging with other like-minded groups such as the Kentucky group that joined the Noah Hoover Mennonites, who had a settlement in Scottsville, which is Allen County. And I did, when reading through all this, I did get excited and think it was Spotsville, and we were about to get into (laughs) Amish Bigfoot. (laughs) But unfortunately, it's Scottsville. Allen County is right on the uh, Tennessee border. Okay. It's also the birthplace of the Dollar General franchise. I found that out. Did not know that. Hmm. Yeah. In Allen County, Kentucky. Huh. So that's who I have to blame. <laughs> wow, think about it right there. There's quite the corridor right there where you have Dollar General and then Corbin with uh, KFC. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go up and you got Lexington with Fazoli's. And Valvoline. And, uh, <laughs> Valvoline. And then you have Papa John's. Oh, uh, in Louisville. It's right here in Kentucky. But can you think of a more wow. like anti-Amish 
idea than the premise. I mean, the the CEO of yeah. Dollar General has said, I want everybody in the country to be within like 15 minutes of a Dollar General. That's John, what, can you do can you do something right now? Mm-hmm. Can you Google to find out if this if the founder of Dollar General grew up a Noah Hoover Mennonite? Because that is quite the storyline, if so. Or maybe his father. He went as far in the opposite as he could. Like, you yes. know what? I'm going to modernize everything. Yeah. yeah. Here we come with a one-stop shop of cheap goods that no yeah. one needs. Well, no. actually, Dollar General's full I mean, of things. You, you need, need but, them, but you don't need them from yeah. there. <laughs> it, started at, it started as a family-owned business called J.L. Turner and & Son. Uh, and it didn't change to Dollar General until 1955 when they went public on the stock exchange. Jesus, they've been around a while. Well, a surprising turn was that the Nova, Noah Hoover Mennonites, the ones whose home place, which still today, Mennonites there in uh, Scottsville, they have a settlement in Belize. <laughs> nice. And one of Elmo Stoll's former bishops in uh, Tennessee, he formed the Caneyville Sorry, Caneville Christian Community in 2004, located in Grayson County, Kentucky. So, we got some Kentucky ties. Yeah, of course. I'm just waiting for... Because the one thing all these have in common is they have been in rural centers. That's what I want to happen next. Like an Amish installation in Dubai. Or just like some just urban, just sprawling metropolis. Have it? Yeah, you shouldn't be able to. That's why I want to yeah. see it happen. I want to see how they I, I somehow just don't think twisted. Yeah. Fingers but crossed. Yeah, it would be fascinating to it'd, witness. It'd be great. Just in like the dead middle of Queens, New York, or something. <laughs> <laughs> they have a little. They have a little setup right next to uh, Central Park. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, in Central Park. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it's going to be anywhere. Now, fellas, Dalton, yeah. I know you're going to like this section. Yeah, I mean, that sounds creepy, so... We're going to get into the darker side okay. of the Okay, Amish. that's fine. I, th- I, you, I thought it was going to be like, Dalton's going to like this, which brings us to sexual abuse. Or <laughs> like... You're the one that took it there. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I'm immediately implicated in the creepy uh, portion. <laughs> number, well, I, this is not like a numbered list, but here we go. I have it kind of broken down into <laughs> things. And I, I just wanted to highlight these things. I'm not going to get too deep into any one of these things. And mostly I will say right now, most of this comes from a website. But they get, they have sources. So... Mm-hmm. Right. There is a large number of DUIs in the Amish community. Meaning a horse and buggy, correct? Horse and buggy. And here's a quote about one of those DUIs. Or I'll just read it. You hit one of those, these buggies and they're like kindling wood. They just kind of explode. <laughs> and you almost always have to put the horse down. Oh. They get hit from behind and the person in the buggy flies through the air because they don't wear a <laughs> So, <laughs> okay, it's actually a very serious and dark issue for the Amish. Yeah, that's true, it is. They're drinking too much, and they're getting on the road with their horse and buggies, 
And they're, so you either have the ones that are driving cars who don't know how already, and then they get drunk and try to do it. Or you have the horse and buggies that are driving their horse into a car because mm-hmm. they're drunk. I feel so, like the horse would know to not run into a vehicle. Well, they probably do, but this person probably just like, they're drunk and they're just drifting yeah. onto the, in the middle of the road <laughs> as cars like coming in behind them. They don't have like any th- kind of signs or anything, you know, just there they go. Because that's what he's, it's, this guy's specifically said was get hit from behind. Do Amish, do right. Amish put on the little, uh, the orange reflective triangle like we yes. got in the back of the tractors? Yes. They do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That was I'm, that was a controversy for a while, though. At least I locally, know. I know the the group that was in um uh shit. Why am I blanking on what county Lancaster is? Garrett County. Garrett County. Garrett County. Uh, the group that was there, they initially Kentucky. did not want to use the orange triangle things. I remember. This is what got you so heated in high school. Got me fucking. I was frothing at the mouth. I was like, "You scum!" But I've cha- I've reformed now. Now, <laughs> but yeah, that you really had the Amish triggered beard. the shit out of me. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, taking my anger out of it—that is in where I grew up in a rural area. That is yeah. very dangerous. Yes. It's at night, especially. I mean, that mm-hmm. is completely oh, yeah. unreasonable to not want to do that. And I believe that's why it's one of those issues that the Amish had like a forced compromise. Yeah. Because the U.S. government was saying, we can't have you on our roads without some sort of protective measure. Right. You are a danger to yourselves and to other drivers. Right. And if you want to make it, you, te- they sure, they're not involved in society, but if they're on the roads, they are using our infrastructure. Exactly. So they have and to so that's, follow. Like, exactly. They couldn't that's just, kind of the stance. They couldn't just not follow the speed limit. It's not. It's not that if uh, somehow their wagons were going like 120 miles an hour, that would be a problem too. It's it's no different than that. They gotta right have some degree of you know following the rules. Yeah. No, you're totally right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like, um, I was meaning to tell this at the top of the episode, but you know, when I was just driving through, uh, I can't remember what county it's in. It's in between Casey County and it might be Casey County, but it's by Casey County and Columbia, whatever county Columbia is in. Is that Lincoln County? No. I don't think so. Um, Lindsey Wilson College is there. Kentucky, Kentucky Geography. I don't know. Actually, episode. Yeah, I don't know. I'm pulling it up. Give me a second. I have to know. So, in between Columbia and Liberty, let's say, you're driving through these winding roads. I'm driving along. I'm like, I've never been on these back roads. Never once. And then I look off to my right, and I'm like, what is happening? Or is that like, what is emerging out of the tall grass? This was in the summer. And two Amish girls just step up onto the road. And then back up quickly, and they're holding, like, little goods. Like, they got stuff. There was an Amish little market store I saw right down the road that I passed, right before that. It was, like, a blast. All of a sudden, you're there. It just happened so suddenly. But it was there. And I looked. There's a road that went off into the distance, and I could just see, like, a kind of older-styled building with, like, farmland around it. Right. Tucked back there a little bit. Yeah. So that has to be where they're, you know, coming from. But it's just... It was a weird story, like a weird thing for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just driving along. And once I, like the last time I went to Casey County, through Casey County to get home, I saw an Amish 
turning right at the Dollar General. Columbia is Adair County. Adair. That, yep. Okay. Yep. Oh. My. My. Oh, I think that's from the other day. Chelsea sent me a picture of these Amish women coming in, into Walmart. Hold on, I'll send it to you guys. This is something she saw or saw on the internet? Yes. She, no, she took a picture of. That's what I want to show. <laughs> Do you see it, Dalton? That's in Walmart in Danville. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's, that's what that is. That's a more common occurrence in Danville than any other Walmart I've seen. Well, y'all saw I feel that. like it happened, Dalton, in Lebanon, actually. What's that? In college, me and you seen Amish in Lebanon. I don't remember that. I feel like, I'm pretty sure that's, it may not have been there, but I remember seeing them getting a Pizza Hut. Getting Pizza Hut pizza. I do remember that in Springfield. Was that in Springfield? I think so. That sounds right. Yeah, okay, that was in Springfield. I feel like I saw them in Walmart in Lebanon. Maybe getting Subway. I could be wrong. I do remember that Springfield Pizza Hut was like the last major restaurant I've ever eaten in that they still had a bunch of smoking indoors. Do you remember yep. that? Oh, that was yeah. so weird. That. You step in there and yeah. it's like... <laughs> it's, yeah, it's not weird to find that when you go to like a little country diner. Yeah, but like Pizza you, Hut. That's still common. But yeah, Pizza Hut. <laughs> yes, and this was like 2011, people. This is they, not... Well, they still had the lunch buffet pizza. Yeah, yep, that's right. It was basically you know, a Pizza Hut from 1986. They just kept it the same. <laughs> Honestly, it's the Pizza Hut that I remember fondly as a child. Yeah, I, mean, pizza I, was, I don't even know what Pizza Hut is like now. That's all I remember it for. Nobody honestly. eats pizza indoors, like just sits down at a Pizza Hut. Yeah. No. That's true. Now, CC's. Is that even still around? No, the the, the one up here closed and the Mexican restaurant went in. There's still still CC's. Oh, that's right. Anyways, let's get back to the dark side of the Amish. Animal cruelty. Oh. And I'll just quote the article that I saw about this. In 2016, the Washington Post reported that police had charged a Pennsylvania Amish man with two counts of cruelty to animals. They were called to the scene by passers-by who saw and recorded the instance of a single horse being overburdened with a wagon of watermelons. Unable to pull it, the horse collapsed and then was hit by its owner. And that's not the only instance of outside law enforcement getting involved. In right. 2011, out. Wait, hold on. You called, just said, you just said outside law enforcement. So there's a whole yeah. thing of almost PD that we, we don't know about. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that until just now. <laughs> Amish cops. That's what the goodies grow up to be. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. In 2011, officers were called to a Pennsylvania Costco parking lot where two <laughs> Amish had left horses tied. Both were swaying, suffering from heat exhaustion, and standing in the sun on the 99-degree day. Sheesh. This isn't even getting into the way that many horses are treated. Uh, they're treated basically the same way that horse that you would treat, like, just a tool that's, like, just, you know, worn down or rusted too bad. But you right. just can't use it anymore. You just trash it. They work them well past what a horse should be worked. So, like, by the time a horse is, like... Yeah, out of racing age, but should still, you know, be a good, you know, horse that can, you know, carry you around and do some work just a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. They work them well to where that's the time where they're selling them to a slaughterhouse or just outright just disposing of them themselves. So, like, a middle-aged horse 
So they have plenty of years left, but they work them so hard that these horses just go out of commission by then. Yep, time for the old glue factory. Yeah. And they need to get it. I mean, only the horse racing industry is allowed to abuse animals on a mass scale. Mm-hmm. The Amish no. the Amish need to understand this. I wonder if the Amish are in cahoots. Could be. The ones around Kentucky? Could be. Thankfully, there are rescue teams that work on saving horses uh, that are being discarded and disposed of by Amish. So there are that. And not every Amish community, again, I want to stress not every single one of them is like this. I would actually probably venture out to say that most of them aren't. But there's a good enough percentage of Amish that are like this that it should be talked about. Right. It's kind of hard, though, where there's so many, where they're so segmented. Mm -hmm. You can't, it's hard to do like a um, no true Scotsman thing where it's like, well, you say you're a good Amish, but you need to you need to do something about the other problems in the Amish community because there's not really an Amish community as a whole. So what can they really do about it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I should also now say that along with animal cruelty, one of the sad truths about the Amish is the rumors of puppy mills. Yep. Oh, well, yeah, that actually I've heard before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there is some truth to this. Um, This is another quote from the article. The Humane Society of the United States estimates that there are around 10,000 puppy mills in the country, and many of them are linked to the Amish community. In 2017, for example, the CPCA SPCA seized 27 dogs from a Lancaster County breeder, treated those that were in desperate need of medical attention, and rehomed them. Then they pressed charges against the breeder. There are, you can pull isolated cases like this, and then, yeah, it's just... Some people sometimes get a dog and they don't even realize that they're going to an Amish community because of the way that it's, they flyer it, I guess. Oh, that is so shady. Yeah. And like puppy mills, the reason they are so shitty is to lower, you know, keep expenses as low as possible so they can make more profit and, you know, they don't have to worry about treatment of animals anyway. So why, how do the Amish get wrapped up in that? Why are Amish concerned with profit motives of selling animals? Exactly. It's a good question. Uh, Seems kind of contrary to their views, but... Yes. They're still just greedy people. Like, if they... The horse thing, I actually understand. I'm not excusing it, but I understand why with their background, they would see a horse as just a brute to be treated as such, but... Yeah, that dog. Well, I guess it's definitely no don't agree with it. It goes yeah. into what he said. It's not they're not just one community. They probably all have different things yeah. on it. Also, when you when you type in Amish cops, it's basically just a bunch of pictures of cops pulling over Amish buggies. That's awesome too. <laughs> that is that is fun too. License and registration, please. Uh, no, no, uh, no well, it's ma- a bunch of them. It's just like mainly it's the use of the cop walking up and like just hand on sidearm, like going and it's just like okay. <laughs> They were de- they were drunk driving. Step away from the buggy, sir. <laughs> Step away from the buggy. <laughs> now I do have to, this one is really weird, really weird, and there seems to be some truth to it, which makes it really disturbing. There are apparently stories of quote clinics that Amish women are sent to when they've upset the, some people somehow. When they get a little too feisty, I suppose. Speaking so we're talking like old timey, like lobotomy type stuff, or like similar, not quite that harsh, but you're on the right track. The same vibe. 
Yes. Mm-hmm. When a woman would speak out on such things as like a su- abusive husband, husband that may have cheated on them, um, you know, something along those lines. Several women in the past um, just kind of like decade have come out to speak about how they were sent to a, quote, clinic where they were told that they had mental issues and they were given drugs that left them zombified. One woman told investigators that she was given olanzapine, which is used for schizophrenia, and she was told that it would help her go to sleep. It's just chemical lobotomies then, because that's the, yeah. Yes. So many women reported having hallucinations during this time. Um, many of them experienced, you know, the, just all the obvious symptoms. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and it's just complete abuse. Complete abuse. And then when they were sent home, they were supposedly, you know, rehabilitated or they were helped. And then, you know. Classic, yeah. classic hysteria, uh, you know, situation. And it, no, I'm saying that's how they're yeah, treating. I'm not. I'm not yeah, making. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, it's yes. just we've seen time and time again how the Amish like almost unknowingly mirror trends in the outside world, and they put their Amish spin on it. And this is just yeah. another. Yeah, this just sounds like a fundamentalist Latter Day Saint yeah, type stuff. Yeah, so. exactly. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like dare I say, cult behavior little bit yeah. Get, getting there getting there but like you said they they fractured off so much it kind of does uh yeah. mirror mormonism in that points all the smaller sects are just going to be more culty than the bigger the overall yep. group yeah and, and i do think that this this story is definitely not indicative of the amish community at large yeah i just can't imagine i just i i couldn't because there's so many stories of just like people spending time with certain amish communities and stuff mm-hmm. and they're just harmless and then when you go it just doesn't. I feel like if that were very widespread, it would be a pretty right. notorious. Yeah, so th- right. th- these are probably yeah. the more closed off and that kind of yeah. ones. Yeah. Now let's talk about everyone's favorite genetic disorders, which we already <laughs> talked mm-hmm. about in the first part of the Amish series. But this here's another quote: In 2020, Health Europa reported the results of a shocking study done by the University of Exeter. They found 150 genetic disorders in Amish communities and estimated as much as 80% of all Amish have a genetic disorder. Even more surprising were the 25 disorders that were discovered there that were known nowhere else in the world. Okay. They're groundbreaking. (laughs) So the the Amish had completely new diseases is what you're saying. Yeah. Or not diseases, but conditions, yeah. Yeah, disorders. Okay, thank you. Or, yeah, conditions, yeah. Yeah, they invented new ones. Oh, well, I don't know if it was intentional, but... <laughs> no, it was no, certainly was not. But we are getting... I know it was a joke, and it still is a joke. And again, I don't want to malign all the Amish people. I love many of you. But we're getting into the blue people of Kentucky. Yeah, hell yeah. Wait, were they Amish? Mm. That's a good question. I don't think so. I, I don't I, think they were either. I, I thought they were That's Eastern Kentucky, question. and there's not really any Amish yeah. in Eastern Kentucky. So, but they could have been Mennonites. Okay, yeah. They're also they're not as blue as I was hoping. I remember seeing the they're pictures. They're more silver. I wanted. Yeah, yeah, I was they're... picturing Smurfs, and no, this is no, yeah. underwhelming. Yeah, yeah. They're more silver. I wish they were kind of more Smurf-like and had a more of a whimsical village kind of vibe going. Yeah. 
That's but, what I want from incestuous families. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of sad in a reality. <laughs> so our next issue, Mm-mm. water pollution. Oh, I didn't see Another that quote. Coming. In 2009, the Environment Protection Agency took a long, hard look at Amish farms in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. They found that 85% of Amish farms had major health violations, including improper fencing that would normally keep cows from adding their poop to local waterways and high concentrations of E. coli in water sources. That's also not even talking about just some of the farming practices that they have, which is not they still practice some of the kind of things that caused the Dust Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just stuff that is proven to just harm the land more than you're doing any sort of good. Right. They still use, for instance, like the even time the wheels they use are still like the big steel, like yeah. wagon wheel, you know, where you are literally creating ruts in the ground every time you move it. Like they, that's one thing I saw an article talking about, like going to the Amish. And that's the first thing this the author talked about was seeing the huge ruts in the ground right when they get there, which is something I you don't really think about. But I did even see no. like when I was when in Wyoming, I saw the wagon wheel ruts from a section of the Oregon Trail. So like I can imagine them in the Amish community that's doing this every single day in the same place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've and- worn the ground away. And that actually, um, that goes against the narrative about the Amish and how they're, you know, they're so one with nature and... Yes. And now I do have to say, though, there is a, um emerging uh, fight against this um, devastation to, you know, their land. And there are, you know, the green Amish. There actually are. Nice. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? So there are people that, there are there are plenty of Amish that are kind of trying to educate other Amish on the best farming methods, how to properly rotate till and to do things to lessen the, and and also how to keep water pollution, just, you know, how to best do that. So hopefully yeah. that kind of takes more of a hold in the Amish communities. Yeah. Although I think some of these old timers are, they're stuck. Well, yeah. I mean, you're not going to convince them of anything. Yeah. Right now, not the climate. Yeah, but that's probably why they're having anything. to like move out and move away. Cause it's like, they're just destroying the land in one spot until they can't farm it no more and then going on down the road. And- yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, so right now I do want to talk about the um, most disturbing story I have found about the Amish up to this point. Um, this it actually involves the Bolivian congregation down in Manitoba. They're, and we're talking actually when they were Mennonites still in 2009 because they didn't become Amish till 2015. But for weeks, this community had entire families waking up from being drugged as they slept at night and women finding that their clothes were torn, that um, they were missing clothes and um, other um Things were found upon them. Let's just mm. put it, say. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Can you, can you, can you explain in more detail? They found bodily fluids. Okay, them. that's what I wanted to hear. Because of their interesting upbringing. Because remember, these are the same people that refused to learn Spanish when while they're living in Bolivia. Mm-hmm. 
they um you know they they have an odd upbringing even for Amish they thought it was a demon attacking their village uh okay yep oh well so for quite some time the people were like it's the devil you don't speak of like oh that they've got the devil inside their house oh and like you've house. already said they don't accuse each other of things so it's like it got to a point eventually where the women that were being attacked um had to speak up they had to do something and they went to the authorities outside of the community. They found two men that were accused of these crimes. They were accused of rape, sexual abuse, you know, breaking and entering. And their trial, their capture and trial did not take place until 2011. Though. So two years after the initial rapes. So missionaries, well, the, so the, well, I guess I should say the trial came and went with these two men being found guilty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Missionaries came to the area. Amish missionaries came to the area, and this is kind of when they started to become Amish because like they came to help support them during this time, and they came specifically to offer some spiritual support and like therapy for the rape survivors. But the bishop of the village is quoted in the press as saying, "Why would they need counseling if they weren't even awake when it happened?" Uh, uh, hmm. Hmm. That is one of the most disgusting things I've read in quite some time. Yeah, it's, it's like a whole different level of ignorance. Yeah, it's a kind of evil level of ignorance. Yeah. As recently as 2019, there had been a call to arms for some reason to release these men oh, and bring them back into the Amish fold. The women that were affected, of course, are terrified of this pros- prospect as are the family members of these women. Who is calling for that? Yes. They are they do not want this at all no, because no, they're I saying who, this is who Oh, is? who is? Other yeah. people in the community. Oh, so okay. cuz they were community members and they're saying that the women were lying and they're saying that they were pressured to lie about this. All right. Again, they went to trial and were found guilty. In a fair trial, found guilty. So they are released, but some of the congregation said that they this is a community issue and needs to be dealt with in the community. Well, then deal with it. They didn't deal with it. And, and again, you well, get the then, cult stuff going, and then yeah, one of the ministers did say. So there are rational minds here. One of the ministers did say, "This is a quote: Rape is one of the biggest sins, and it is a and it is a crime. It is not something that we can resolve within our community." Yeah. There you go. Which is rational. So that's that story. And honestly, I could have I could spend a whole like episode on just on that story. We could do a, like a whole episode on that story. It's crazy. It's really wild. And the fact that it's Amish, I, I it's the worst story I've read this whole time. Well, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Any community it gets more you extensive. dig into, you're gonna find more stuff like that. But it's like. I do want to go, though, real quickly into another kind of um, court civil action that was required. In Indiana, one quote, one quote that I came across was that, quote, we don't believe in pressing charges or going to court. This quote stems from a rampage of what locals called ammo bashing in 1996 when cars would drive past Amish men and women on bicycles and bash them upside the face. 
with like rods and what uh sticks oh that's just straight up assault then like why is that even a question and sometimes they got robbed they get knocked upside the head and then get robbed as many as 15 amish victims amish were victims of this Jeez. but the thing is is that these 15 people Never said a thing except to just like their families and then their the neighbors just like, yeah, this crazy thing happened. I got hit, whacked right upside the head, woke up, wallet's gone. What you do? So how's your morning been? <laughs> <laughs> okay, now I see why you brought it up because otherwise I was like, this is just a story of assault. <laughs> well, one of the men, the 16th victim, finally told the police about what was happening because he's like, this is a car from outside that are, is doing this. So it's, it is an outside problem as well as an Amish problem. Yeah. We can't just, you know, somebody's going to die. So we have to tell someone. Yeah. And it took a while, you know, for them to get things going, but eventually they found the culprits and everything turned out okay. But the Amish still feel that there's always some Amo bashing going on. Yeah, that's just well, the kind of minds, you know, mindset they have. They do have. This is their term, types. or is it a media? Term? It's their term. Okay. It's their term. Oh, it is. Yeah. See, this is some kind of like uh, victimization complex where they're outside and they they want there to be so many reasons why they are outside, so they demonize the outside world that's just that's just my interpretation yeah no oh, i get you i get you um it, it's strange because yeah they but you know because they don't want to talk like that's the reason it took a while for that case is because these victims didn't want to speak even though it was just something as simple as robbery or you know yeah. assault like it's you know it wasn't anything to be well, nothing's ever anything to be shameful of, but you know, it's not one of those kind of cases. They just were that much like we don't want to go to court. Yeah. So better to just not speak of it. Right. They also didn't really want anybody to be punished unless they were the ones that did the punishing and they it, under their terms. What, what, <laughs> like in their style. What what would their terms be if for an outsider? What would exactly, their punishment that's the thing. be? They don't have one, so they don't punish them. Uh, all right. I guess they think they'll get caught eventually out there. Yeah, well, that's that. I don't think that's a good outlook. Again, rational minds prevailed. Right. Any questions? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, no. Well, I learned that Amish ride bicycles now, but <laughs> some. That's what Depends. you. That's your takeaway. Well, yeah, that was like the entire thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, it it is like the the whole um, thing of they don't accuse people. It sounds good. I think it's bad. I think it's a bad thing. They should accuse yeah. people if they're guilty. Sometimes, I don't think you're being a, a good person yeah. or being a pacifist. I think you're being no. a coward. And that's in just a case like opinion. this, I agree. especially if it's uh, crimes that other Amish people have committed. Then you're not. It's not. Uh, you're just sheltering the guilty really yeah for all we no, know right. the zodiac killer could have been amish and that's how he got could away with amish. it so long the amish were like we gotta keep him inside we'll punish <laughs> we'll punish him our way and then they just do nothing mm. 
I mean, you're onto something there because there is a lot of that where they will, an Amish member will commit a crime and they just say, go confess. And that's kind of it. And then they'll just don't commit the other, the crime again or don't get caught. Is it because they think something really bad? They'll face punishment in the afterlife. So we don't even need to punish them. They they say there's always, you can always be forgiven and your crimes will, you know, be forgiven. You just have to repent. You just have to, but you're given, you know, chances. Right. I understand Even, that, but yeah. that's not really how justice systems work, but yeah. uh, all right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. You, Yeah. They're not really getting punished until it's like the ultimate punishment in their community. Right. You know? Yeah. Since they don't have like a death penalty, oh, the ultimate oh, okay. punishment is being kicked just, out. They're just like, you'll get, get the, you'll get yours one of these days type of deal. No. Yeah. That's why so, you know, since, we have a separation of church and state in a lot of these small communities that just completely link them as one thing, <laughs> you have yeah. problems. Yeah. It can be said that way, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it could be said. Well, speaking of some issues in little small communities, uh, since this is 2021, we do have to mention and discuss the Amish response to COVID-19. Hell yeah. From an AP article written in June of this year, 2021, the Amish seem like they are doing what most would expect them to do. Take um, guesses. What would you think the Amish's response to COVID, in all seriousness, what is their response to COVID-19? I'm going to say nothing. Well, I thought figured they'd be a vulnerable community, so they might hit it up a little. Right, because in kind of a similar mold, many Native American, not that they you know, discard of technologies, but many Native American uh, reservations and counties and whatnot, they wholeheartedly went all in on taking COVID. Well, they had some of the best responses to it, so yeah, but... Yeah. Well, the Amish decided we'll just trust in God and if it comes, it comes. Yeah. That's how they responded to the measles in 2014. And just like that, um, their goal for herd immunity, you know, is off. <laughs> and in Holmes County, can, uh, in Holmes County, Ohio, again, home to the largest concentration of Amish, only 14% of the total county population is fully vaccinated as of June of this past year. 14%. So it can not be bad. assumed that the Amish are not getting vaccinated. No. This population includes the sorts and troopers who apparently also teach their children in the flat earth theory. Uh, what? Wow. How, how did that happen? So how did I they even become aware video. of this? I was watching a video and there's this girl that's well, like formerly a Schwarzenegger Amish and she talks, yeah, she had the most messed up upbringing where she was like taught flat earth and she was also taught that there's only like two states in the whole country and she was just taught like all <laughs> this total nonsense. That well, you no did sense. say that they, they do watch YouTube. So, I mean, there you go. If you just kind of, Oh yeah, they did say that on their other video. God. Well, it seems to be that those Amish who do want a vaccine have to do so quietly. One Amish man who wished to remain anonymous said, quote, I've lost count of how many people it's affected on our community. I lost one of my very good friends. Another man asked at the clinic giving him the vaccine not mention this to his family. So even against his family, he's having to keep it quiet that mm-hmm. he's getting the vaccine. 
That's good. That, that wouldn't make you rethink your life or anything. <laughs> just keep on trucking. In Holmes County, one group, just because Holmes County has many different, like, little small communities that are all kind of, like, you know, meet up more often. They have one group just straight up tell the health department, if they come over there with vaccines, you're not welcome over here anymore. The exact toll and number of cases will never be known amongst the Amish. I mean, I highly doubt they'll ever be known because the Amish are not going to keep track of this stuff. But what is known is that there was because there's a popular like social media misinformation campaign that was showing a bunch of like fake stats about the Amish and how vaccines are useless because the Amish aren't getting COVID. Oh, yeah. It's all complete crap. Not a single bit of it's true. Uh, just that's a solid boomer meme. That's just that's what <laughs> yeah, it sounds like. It, yes, because they really already like the Amish. I have a there's a strong connection between mm-hmm. bitter boomers and the Amish. They are they they admire them because they do what they would never have the balls to do. The boomers are <laughs> yeah, bitching and, about and modernity and how things are going in the wrong direction, but they're on Facebook more than anybody. They are so wrapped up in modernization, they don't even know it. So that's, I think, why they have some weird respect for the Amish. But there is a lot of other people that have a lot of respect for the Amish as well, because there are Amish, there are some Amish that are deserving of our respect, in my mind. Fair. Okay. You can but, say that about any community, though. Yeah, that's true. You can. And I, I think the Schwarzenegger's are one that I would maybe want to stay away from. Yeah. But, but as I was saying, this boomer meme is wrong. Oh, okay. COVID has most definitely hit the Amish community. There is even some stats to back up that they had a positivity rate at one point in time of 77%. Mm-hmm. It has absolutely done damage in their community. It's just not never going to be known how much. Yeah. And this kind of brings me to a weird little awkward end <laughs> to our Amish story. Whew. Well. But let me talk about Christmas. It's that time of the year. Do the Amish celebrate Christmas? Yes. Yes, they do. They don't put up trees. They don't put up lights. They strictly forbid pictures with Santa. But Mm -hmm. they manage to exchange small gifts such as writing paper and needlepoint kits. Okay, so that's sweet. Yeah, that's charming. They also make Christmas cards. Which you can buy Aww. in most Amish stores. Both Christmas and the following day, which they go full Hobbit and call it Second Christmas, they are both holidays. And children are allowed to sing songs and perform skits just during this season by Yay. programs that are held at school. Alright. Merry Christmas, everyone. <laughs> I love that. Alright. Good. <laughs> and that does it. Amish. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> we really shouldn't have recorded all three Amish episodes back to back. It's been a long day. <laughs> uh, I'm ready to do five more. I got to watch Kingpin now to see if the Amish portrayal in that stands up to scrutiny. <laughs> so we have an Amish adjacent subject next week, correct? Yeah. Yeah. We'll do. Yeah. Okay. It'll probably be a little shorter, not quite as it, you know, intense. Um, yeah, but a nice little, nice little story on some other folk. 
Right. Well. Yeah, that does it. Hope you've enjoyed our series on the Amish. Um, they're a fascinating people. Uh, don't hit them in the back of the heads as they're biking along, no. though. Please. Just mock Stop them. It. Just mock them behind their backs. <laughs> you know, try to see the good in an Amish <laughs> neighbor today. Oh, uh, yeah. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Well. Love y'all.